Good morning everybody, it is Thursday, 25th of February, and it's another good day today, another good day. We are up 58 points, which negates, almost negates, yesterday's 61.4, and that comes on the back of Wall Street, up 425 points, up 1.35% to a record high. And what's been driving that, of course, has been the Jerome Powell commentary about the interest rate rises. We heard him yesterday pouring cold water on the need to raise interest rates. And overnight, he's talked about it taking three years to reach the central bank's inflation goal. In other words, interest rates aren't going to go up for three years. The 10-year bond yield in the US, you'll see the chart in the strategy piece, actually slightly went up overnight. So it's not as if 10-year bond yields have started to fall yet. But for the last couple of days, at least, they've stopped spiking. But the interest rate worries do continue to rumble in the background. The other event overnight, which is quite interesting, was the short squeeze, the Reddit short squeeze stocks. The rational is exuberance is back or irrational, is it? But GameStop up 104% overnight. CostCorp, 55% up. AMC Entertainment, 18% up. Express Inc. up 40%. Naked Brand up 31%. So I read it a little bit like Bitcoin, this short squeeze or these short squeeze stocks and Bitcoin are a sort of barometer of market sentiment. Another barometer is my daughter walking into me this morning at the age of 19 and saying, Dad, I'm open opening a Comsec account today. Her boyfriend's been kicking it out of the ball, sorry, hitting it out of the ballpark in the stock market in the last few months. And now she wants to get involved. I just don't see it myself. You're earning $25, $30 an hour, and then you want to gamble with thousands of dollars in the stock market. There is clearly a bubble in market sentiment if my frugal daughter wants to put her money on the card table. Anyway, all the signs are there. Bitcoin, short squeeze stocks, and my daughter, the market is in an exuberant mood. Otherwise, all the lead indicators for resources good overnight. The oil price was up. BHP and Rio were up in the US. The copper price was up. Oil price up 2.6%. ExxonMobil was up 3%. Goldman Sachs up 3.6%. So financials moving as well. And this morning on our 58 point rise, we've got BHP up 2.3%. Rio up 1.1%. Fortescue Metals up 1.2%, Woodside up 3.8%, Santos up 3.4%, Energy Running as well, Oil Search up 5.9%, all good stuff. Not so flashy in the US overnight were the nosebleed valuation stocks. The NASDAQ was dragging its heels compared to the S&P 500. And against the market or against the Dow Jones up 425 points, Apple was down 0.4%, Facebook down 0.6%, Amazon down 1.1%. So as I say, that interest rate concern about topping out stocks with high valuations still rumbles in the background. Otherwise, the main focus for de- for today, of course, is the results season. And I have put a table in today of the initial reactions to results and highlighted the stocks we hold, which include Ramsey Healthcare up 6.6% on results. Very happy with that. They talk about pent-up demand for procedures after COVID. 
Qantas up 4.3% on results, Zip down 1.18% on results, and Flight Center up 6.5% on results. There are loads of others. The other features are A2 Milk down 14%, bit of a profits warning with their results, and Afterpay in a trading halt with a capital raising today. We'll see what that does for the share price. One disappointment today is Service Stream, down 14% on results. We're now down 33% on that holding. It's a very small holding, 0.7% in one of our portfolios. And that is a stock, it's a good lesson for us because that's a stock that didn't make it through our factor model, our filter. But we are allowed exceptions and we bought it on a story and a technical turn in the share price and have paid the price. There is a reason why we have a filter and we should use it anyway. Net result is things are working out quite well for our portfolios today. The income portfolio is up or outperforming. It's up 1.11% today and is outperforming by 0.18%. And the growth portfolio is up 1.19% today, outperforming by 0.28%, which might not sound much to you, but to a fund manager, that's huge in one day. Right, moving on from blowing our trumpet. Today, I've written an article about investment philosophy. Every fund manager has an investment philosophy or should have an investment philosophy, which has all sorts of elements to it. And one of them is... Well, let me give you the three main subjects for an investment philosophy for a professional fund manager. They include investment beliefs, the investment process, and roles and responsibilities. So who does what? How does it operate? Who's on the investment committee? How often does it meet? And the middle one is investment process. That's how you pick stocks or asset allocate, what your edge is. But the first one's investment philosophy. And fund managers have to have investment philosophies for compliance purposes. There's a thing called compliance with compliance. But an investment philosophy goes beyond that. And it has lessons for you as individual investors as well. In a professional investment philosophy, whilst it can be updated and amended at any time, it is a statement of what you believe about the market and how you can achieve performance or outperformance as a fund manager, what edges there are for you to exploit. And it also serves a bunch of other purposes like providing clarity for all partners, be that the responsible entity that looks after the fund, which is a legal definition, or the fund manager or assistant fund managers, employees, the investing clients, the regulator, a statement of what your investment philosophy is encapsulates the culture of what you're doing and communicates it quickly to everybody else. It also doubles up as a selling or marketing tool. Fund managers put a version of their investment philosophies up on their websites to persuade you how clever they are. But for the fund manager themselves or for you as the investor, if you have a stated belief and process, then it focuses your mind on what you're actually trying to do. And that injects some clarity and stability in what you are trying to achieve. And it provides you some peace of mind during good times and bad times, particularly the the stressful bad times when there are losses appearing. It provides you with a process, a defined process that can operate through thick and thin. And for you, it might establish your daily routine. It can be quite specific. Every day or every week or every month, I do this process, use these filters, reject these stocks, 
look for ideas here, execute like this. So it's a bit like, I, th- I think Chris has got a booklet out at the moment about how to write an investment plan. Anyway, the investment philosophy is part of it. And I've written today some of our investment beliefs under various headings. One of them is, are markets efficient? Another one is, is the stock market cyclical? Another one is the cash versus equities equation. And then I've got a summary. My summary, you can read a bit of detail there, and I've got links to articles about risk reward and market or the efficient market hypothesis and an article I've written about that. So there's plenty to keep you interested today. I perhaps should have put that up as a weekend article. But the conclusion, or not the conclusion, the summary for you is that we believe as a team, that markets are inefficient, that technology, the developments in technology have, if anything, made stock markets less efficient, but faster moving. The herd is that much bigger and it can still lose its head more quickly or more efficiently lose its head. But markets are definitely not efficient and they are exploitable. We also believe that risk and reward doesn't have a linear relationship. So you can, with hard work, narrow the risk and improve the odds of reward. The stock market's about probability and you can narrow probability in your favor through your process. And although it's obvious that the stock market is related to the economic cycle, it's not that simple and we are aware and you need no more example no more clear example than the GFC or the pandemic last year that the economic cycle or the normal cycle can be savagely and suddenly interrupted by an out of cycle event like the GFC or the pandemic and rather than relaxing listening to your big bank strategist who spends their whole time trying to mollify clients and stop them selling so they're always optimistic Instead, you need to be on alert or expect the unexpected, not sit on the cycle. And what we do, we reassess the risk of the markets every day. It's that the top of our investment committee meetings is discussion about how much cash we have versus equities and whether the market is precipitous and whether we should do something about it. And at times, when the market looks precipitous, we do allocate investor funds into cash And you should know, or our investors should know, that we do address that cash versus equities equation every day. And we have a history of doing something about it, going to 100% cash, which is something other fund managers can't do or don't do. Anyway, enough of that. You can read all about it in the strategy piece today. But the message from that investment philosophy stuff is that maybe you should just stop for a minute and think about what you are doing and maybe even write it down. Anyway, there we go. That's enough of the uh, fluff for another day. As I leave you, Zip is dropping away a little bit, down 4.6%. Otherwise, the market's up 62. Banks and resources doing very nicely. A2 Milk down 15%. JB Hi-Fi X dividend. Energy stocks having another good day. Travel stocks flying, to use a great word. Qantas up 4.7%. Flight Center up 6.7% on results. And Sealink up 5.0%. Hello World up 6.9%. All good stuff for the travel sector. Dow Futures up 66 Last day of the results season tomorrow. Hooray. Look out for Ben's weekly sector charts tomorrow. You have a fabulous day. There's not a lot of excuses not to.